0: Five six
1: one six one six twenty. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Let me give you some advice that that I think it it comes from the right place. You know, when when you're sitting at home in the evening, because there's nowhere to go out to, and you've got the television on, my, my advice is: take a few hours if you're going to be watching TV and watch something other than the news. Because I mean, I don't care what you watch. Matter of fact, I'll tell you how I spent seven hours of my life yesterday. Yes, seven hours. But but watch something other than the news because the, the headlines relentlessly bad and to some extent out of context and one of the things I want to do on this program is try to offer just a little bit of context and I do this not in an effort to downplay the significance of the coronavirus pandemic it's it's a big deal all right there's no question about it it is a big deal we need to do what authorities are saying, which is implement the social distancing. We need to wash our hands. We need to avoid crowds. And it's necessary, I understand, to close down, well, you know, places where lots of people are going to congregate for the foreseeable future. So I, I understand that. Nobody wants to get coronavirus and nobody, especially if you're in one of those, if you're one of the individuals, either because of your age group or because of your health situation, you especially don't want to get it. But part of the problem is, we I think we, we always assume a worst case scenario and we have trouble distinguishing things. As I was saying just a couple of minutes ago, the, the stock market down big today, down about 864 points. And, and the, the driving reason why the stock market is down is because President Trump holds a news conference yesterday where he, he says, okay, well, you know, we've got these studies that say by the end of April we're looking at 100,000 to 240,000 deaths. And, of course, the headline in, in almost every newspaper that I see online is up to 240,000 deaths, which which I, I understand that that's, I guess, correct. But that's the worst-case scenario. And everybody is automatically assuming then the worst-case scenario Nobody is really thinking, well, it, it could be dramatically less than that. And by the way, there's there's a wide range. Now, in Wisconsin, and I, I, I look, I can't tell you what's going on in New York where you've got that incredible density and you've got a lot of people, you know, who got sick early before the social distancing and all those type of things. So, I, I mean, I just kind of focus on, on Wisconsin. You know, a, about a week ago, We have, you know, somebody from the State Department of Health who comes out and says, okay, unless we practice social distancing by April 8th, which is a week from today, we're looking at between 400 and 1,500 deaths in Wisconsin. 1,500 deaths in Wisconsin by April 8th. And, and of course, nobody... That there's no, nobody asks about the methodology of these studies or, or where the numbers come from, and they say we're looking at twenty two thousand cases. Well, okay, with, with a week before that, you know, right now we're around fifteen hundred and twenty confirmed coronavirus cases and twenty nine deaths, and seventeen plus thousand negative tests out of five point eight million residents. Again, I, I'm not denying in any way, shape, or form the significance of it, but we, we've got twenty nine deaths, which is which is a it's a it's a horribly large number you you hate to hear that but it's nowhere close to 400 and it's really nowhere close to 1400 or 1500 so we got these these dire apocalyptic apocalyptic predictions last week and, and and maybe it's just because social distancing is working maybe it's because some of these analyses were flawed and, and I, I again i have no problems with you know telling people you know how bad this is and telling people how bad it could be, i'm just saying that some of these models and some of these projections, at least as applied to Wisconsin, strike me as being alarmist and you need to have the perspective there there's another one out that's getting a lot of attention it 's a study by the University of Washington. Which Now, originally in Wisconsin, they predicted the peak for coronavirus was going to be at the end of May. Now they've adjusted it to April 26th, and they predict that the death toll in Wisconsin is going to be 1,309 people. That's a scary number. Okay, all sorts of people admittedly freaked out by that, 1,309. Okay, well, we have 29 deaths now. To get to that number, you'd probably, you need around 50 a day every day between now and then. Now is is it possible that something like that could happen? I, yes. Um, is is there anything that's going on so far that indicates that the, the number of deaths have been increasing at that rate? Well, I I I don't think so, but but um again, we you want to take this stuff seriously and I don't mind, you know, us us reporting these things, but in some cases I think people hear hear the worst. And I wonder what the methodology is on some of these studies. I mean, it was kind of frustrating to me a week ago when, you know, nobody in the media ask the people in state government exactly what assumptions are you making to get to a point where by next Wednesday we're going to have 1,400 deaths in the state of Wisconsin. Because and, and, it, it struck me as being large. And I say this not, minimi- not attempting to minimize, you know, coronavirus, not saying go out and have a party, etc., etc. But I think we need to be candid in kind of assessing this stuff because, you know, we, we have to figure out what the projections are, how reliable these projections are, are are moving forward, particularly as we're going to try to decide how we, I don't know, reopen the state. Just just saying, it's it's that the, the numbers again just just don't don't seem to me to add up. And am I I arguing that the decisions that were made, for example, a week ago to order all this stuff closed are bad decisions? No, I I think it's wise to be cautious. But the flip side of this is we shouldn't be scaring people unreasonably, because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people in my life that are just completely freaked out about this. And that's why I keep saying, just turn off the news for a little bit, because I, I understand the screaming headlines. And again, I'm not talking about other parts of the country. I, I'm not. I mean, I, I understand what's going on, <clears throat> for example, in New York and New Jersey, where you have a, a, lot, of, a lot more density and you, you had a, the, the outbreaks and the epicenters. And, and obviously, we don't want Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Wisconsin in general, to be the epicenter. I, I get that. You want to avoid all those things, which is why it is appropriate to heed all the advice. <clears throat> I'm just saying, instead of always assuming the worst-case scenario, that those numbers, at least in Wisconsin, don't, and it's a good thing. Look, I'm I'm glad that it does not appear that we're going to get close to 1,400 deaths by next Wednesday. Believe me, I'm thrilled by that. I'm thrilled by that. But, again, maybe some critical analysis. And as I say repeatedly, I do think it would be helpful to the psyche of Wisconsin residents. In the interest of transparency, and that's what I'm all about, Let, let's let's tell people what the reality is. Let's not under-hype stuff. Let's not over-hype stuff. I do think it would be helpful as part of these regular briefings to say, okay, of the 1,519 confirmed coronavirus cases, how many people have recovered? And how many people reco- required hospitalization? I mean, how, how many people were really, really sick? Or how many people well okay they, they they were uncomfortable, but it wasn't a situation where you know they, they needed to rush to the hospital. How many hospitalizations have there been because that that tells us you know how how this is affecting the medical professionals, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just arguing for transparency, and I think it is important to try to give context because we we hear the worst. And there's nothing wrong with planning for the worst. Okay, that that makes sense. But a lot of times the, the worst doesn't happen, and that's good. We just need to, I think, be, be honest with people and, and maybe some more critical analysis. I mean, I, I'd be interested again to hear, hey, where did that 1,400 death number come from? What, what was the assumption that was made? Because it strikes me as large, and, and that's a good thing that we're not going to get there. Just saying you need a little bit of context, and that's why I think it's really, really good for people to, to get away from the news. I'm not saying don't inform yourself. Of course, you want to inform yourself. You want to keep up on the latest. But if you sit there and and watch these reports hour after hour after hour, day after day after day, you're going to make yourself crazy. So with that backdrop, when we come back, I'm going to tell you how I spent seven hours, yes, seven hours of my life yesterday after I signed off on the air. And um, we're going to use this as a launching point for a discussion. I tried to follow my own advice. I'm not sure whether it was good or bad, stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's
1: an interesting text. Jeff, people are idiots. Look at all the loons buying toilet paper. That means if you provide context and make it seem better with good numbers or with what the numbers actually turn out to be, people don't take coronavirus seriously because they are idiots. So I guess the argument would be, all right, then we should just – all right, just come out with unrealistic estimations that scare everybody into trying to behave. And, and that's okay for a point in time. But then you start to wonder, okay, do you end up becoming the boy who cries wolf? Like coronavirus is a really big deal. I think we all get it now. But at the same time, is there anything wrong with being critical when you have, oh, we've got this study from the University of Washington that says this is the number of deaths that they're going to be in Wisconsin, you know, in three weeks. Is there anything wrong with being a little bit critical and saying, okay, what what are the underlying assumptions behind this because they're, they're, what has got to happen in order to get to this number? Because it certainly seems unrealistic and that's a good thing that the number is unrealistic but yet it gets reported and people get freaked out. I just believe you should be honest with people, honest with people about bad news, honest with people about good news, honest so people can have the perspective that they need. Just saying. Okay, so in any event, my my advice is get away from the news, right? At least for for, uh, just a little bit because if you sit and you watch all the cable news channels um, you're, you're just going to be completely and totally freaked out. And it's appropriate to be a little bit freaked out, but, but at the same time, I don't think it's good for anybody's mental health to just uh, obsess on, all right, what what's the bad? Oh, did you see there's this cruise ship off of Florida? Did you see what's happening in New York? Yeah, th- those are all very, very bad news stories, but you need to have a little perspective. So anyhow, my my rule has been, other than I, I, I try to watch a dinner. Some of it we put it on TV. Some of the president's press conference, and then maybe just a little bit else. I, I try to just dis- distance myself. That's my form of social distancing. I try to get away from it till I have to start preparing for for the show when I do it the, the evening before. So I'm always looking for stuff to do, and I'm um, one of these people who who gets into binge watching shows. And there, there's not much good that has come from the, this, you know, stay at home stuff. I, I miss being able to interact with my friends, I miss being able to go out to dinner and go to movies and hit golf balls and all those type of things. Miss it a lot. But I mean, on, on the good side, one of the things that I end up doing is I, I it's given me a chance to catch up on my reading. I've been going through several books and also it's been giving me a chance to watch some TV shows or some series. Is, that I've been meaning to but just haven't gotten around to it, just haven't had enough time to do it. And now that there's no baseball and no basketball, you know, no sports in general on to watch, makes it kind of easier. So I have Netflix. One of the big shows on, on Netflix, and it dropped, oh, I would say about a little less than two weeks ago, and and it's it's taken the country by storm. I, I try to I, – I take – Documentaries, these real life kind of documentaries, you you that they put on, I, I take them kind of with a grain of salt. I mean, the big show on Netflix a couple of years ago was Making of a Murderer, where it, it's really not so much a. A documentary as to what happened, but it's the filmmakers who take the position that Stephen Avery was not guilty of of those murders, and they try to advance their theory. Well, as somebody who followed that case closely, who knew the prosecutors, who was a commentator on TV on a daily basis about the trial stuff, I I just... I, I don't. I don't agree with that at all. Stephen Avery, in my opinion, was guilty as hell. And but it was it was an interesting documentary. But it, the filmmakers had a point of view and didn't care about the facts. So I always take that stuff with a grain of salt. The big documentary slash series that has been on Netflix for the last two weeks that has taken the country by storm is this show called Tiger King, and I, I really. I had heard a little bit about it and then I started hearing more and more about it as it seems like everybody had started watching this. If you haven't heard it, it's I, I, so I sat down last night. I said, okay, then this is after dinner. I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch the seven episodes and the episodes are like 45 minutes long to an hour long. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, watch, I'm gonna watch this to see what the big deal is about. And I'm not proud of this. Next thing I know, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I watched all seven episodes of this, kind of back to back to back to back. And next thing I know, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. My wife is saying, did you fall asleep on the couch? I said, no, I didn't. I I watched this whole thing. And then, of course, I get that look. Tiger King, if you haven't seen it, it's a documentary, sort of, where they they, they follow for about five years this guy out of Oklahoma who runs a – a A private zoo where he breeds he breeds lions and tigers he runs big breeds breeds big cats, and then they have all sorts of these other exotic type of animals as well and it's a documentary that focuses on other people most of whom are pretty shady, who are in the exotic animal trade. And then it focuses on one of the, then it focuses on like the the contrast, because there's the people that run the private zoos, and then there's this woman who runs this animal rescue thing that, that might be pretty much the same as a private zoo, but she has a different perspective on it. But you get all these incredibly oddball characters just kind of one after another and ultimately what ends up happening I don't think I'm giving this away is that the guy that's the feature of this documentary his his stage name is Joe Exotic who's just just bat crap crazy there's just no question about it he ends up getting convicted of hiring the worst hitman in the world to go out and maybe try to kill this this rival of his this woman in in Florida it never happens, but it's it's a fascinating sort of thing, and it is. It's kind of like popcorn for the mind. And I, I'm watching this, and I admit, I, I just, I seven hours. I mean, seven hours. I, I binged on the thing, and at the end of at the end of the seven hours, it wasn't like I felt like after I watched that movie, The Irishman, where I wanted those three hours of my life back. It was more like, wow, I can't believe that there are people like out that out out there. And I, I had nothing I knew nothing about this whole sub industry about the private zoos where you have these people who you know get get small tiger cubs, and for example, and then they're they're all cuddly and stuff, and they display them and then once they get to be big tigers, they don 't know what to do with them. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty that is the acu mortgage talk and text line. I know a lot of people have have binge watched this Tiger King show because. Like I say, there's, well, there's three stories on it in the New York Times today about how popular this has been. So that tells me people are watching it. I, I watched the whole thing yesterday. I understand the the appeal of this, and I, I admit I was fascinated by it. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you seen any or all of this, and, and do you do you get it? I mean, I remember just watching the show going, it wasn't so much the narrative, and I don't know that it's a pr- particularly well-constructed sort of thing, and it's tough to keep track of who all the players are, and, and you don't like any of them. They're, they're all unlikable. But looking looking at this, it was i got to admit, it sucked me in, and I found it to be fascinating. Have you watched Tiger King? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. 1620 That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll take a break and discuss in just a moment. Um, that's how I spent seven hours of my life yesterday. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Let me sneak in one call before we go to the news. Mike in Cudahy. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hey, all you? Cool cats and kittens. How's it going out there?
1: Hi, Hi Mike. Did you watch Tiger uh, King?
3: Yeah, I watched it. I binged it on Monday. And uh, my wife was telling me, i got to watch, got to watch it. And finally I did it. And uh, I was just in awe. I mean, it was one of the most disbeliefful things I watched and then at the other time it's the most
2: funniest thing I ever watched
1: well these apparently are real people i mean that that's the whole thing i mean it was it was i mean they're all like these, these bizarre people that are there and it, it's the, it shows that this whole underside of this exotic animal type of thing and all these roadside zoos and all it, it's just it is i found myself just watching it with my mouth open going i can't believe there's people like this that are out there and and they're, they're all unlikable i mean <laughs> that's the thing you you, you want to say okay everybody deserves everybody and everybody's screwing everybody over and stuff like that. You just want to say that the whole bunch of them deserve each other,
3: right? It's like a bunch of carnies running these zoos. It's uh, <laughs> almost
4: know, like it, a freak show.
1: You know, th- thanks for calling, Mike. No, it, it's it's not almost like a freak show. It, it is just a flat out freak show. There's just there's just no question about it. But I, I found it to be incredibly watchable. And, you know, like at, at the last episode or so focused on the assistant U.S. attorney out of Oklahoma who was prosecuting the, the 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 main character for the wannabe attempted murder for hire. And and it's just, you're just sitting there thinking, oh, my, my gosh, I just, I, I can't imagine having a case like that. 855-616-1620, that's the Acinet Mortgage Talk and text line. This is, of course, I, I mean, it, it's taking the country by storm. If you've seen it, do you get it?
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: If you're just tuning in, I've been binge-watching TV shows because there's not a lot else to do. There's no sports on TV and things like that. And and last night, I got sucked into this this Netflix series that's taking the the country by storm. And I understand it's difficult to talk about things in the abstract if you haven't seen it, but lots and lots of people have. It's becoming mainstream. It's a show called Tiger King, which the the Tiger King, it, it focuses on this guy who ran a, He's now in he's now in prison doing twenty two years for uh, arranging a murder for hire of one of his competitors. Or uh, but it's just it's this bizarre documentary. It's seven episodes, and it, it gives a behind the scenes look at the exotic animal industry. And, and all these people are just their characters. None of them are likable. Absolutely none of them are likable. But it just it drew me in. Neil in Brookfield. Neil, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I, I Well, thank you. Have, like, you. have you watched the show? I did. Like I told your screener,
4: I couldn't do it all in one day. It took me like three days. Uh, yeah. And I found it to be much like the, the hoarding of the toilet paper. Once you have it, you're going to find out you really didn't need it that bad. <laughs> um, and you're, you're exactly right. The, the characters are unlikable. Um, the one aspect that I can't thought kind of interesting was how that that uh, the one that ran the cat rescue, that woman whose millionaire husband just disappeared overnight and right. speculation had it that, that she was fed to the he was fed to the tigers. And that could have been developed a little bit more. And it wasn't. I just kind of thought, well, well hey, what's know, going that, on with this one?
1: Right, for for people who haven't seen it, one the, the protagonist, the guy who's in jail for the murder for hire, he supposedly hired what I'm describing as the worst hitman man in, in the world to go and kill that woman, who uh, her, her first husband just disappeared under mysterious circumstances like 20-some years ago, and all the speculation is she killed him and fed him to tigers. I mean, I know that sounds bizarre, but this is like real life. And the update is, since that happened, apparently they have the sheriff's office down in Florida has kind of like reopened the investigation, and they're getting all these tips and stuff that they're running down. So who who knows? I mean, thanks for the call, Neil. I mean, it just and I understand if this sounds bizarre; it, it is bizarre. And, again, I'm not arguing that it's great TV and the narrative is kind of hard to follow and stuff, but you sit there and you just watch these characters and you go, wow. All right, here's some text. Jeff, I watched it twice. I have a friend that knows some of these people personally through the animal industry, and she says the representation is spot on. All I have to say is wow. Jeff, I watched all the episodes yesterday. I totally understand the fascination. I recently read that they are opening the case of the missing husband again. Yeah, that would be that would be the woman whose husband just disappeared one day. Um, I'm also guilty of paying to have a picture taken with a tiger cub twice. It might have been with the Tiger King's traveling show. It does give you an idea, though, and, and that's, that's the other, maybe the larger thing coming out of this is that you, the, these, These these roadside zoos and these attractions, you know, where you have like the private breeders and this whole subculture, um, it, it doesn't sound to me like, it doesn't really seem to me like it's very good for the animals. Jeff, I started watching last night. Weird people. (laughs) It's almost like a a cult. Um, Yeah, I think that's true. Jeff, I thought it was amazing. Jeff, my husband and I can only watch one episode per night. It makes me feel icky. We have two more to go. Just a bunch of crazy people. Yeah, they are crazy people. Jeff, I watched Tiger King over the weekend. Not sure what the buzz is back about. I want my seven hours back. I want to see the story of the woman that supposedly killed her husband or the guy with four wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I understand. You you if you if you haven't seen this you're going, she killed her husband? Yeah, I mean supposedly killed her husband and then there's another guy who's got his own zoo, you know, and he's 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 got all these women who like live with him and it's kinda like a Charlie Manson type cult. But you get the idea that this is that this is real. There's this whole subset of the universe out there, and you do kind of watch it, and I will tell you, it's one of those things that you watch this for a little while, and it does make you it does make you feel good about your life. I don't care what's going on in, in your life. I don't care whether you had a good day or a bad day. You do kind of watch this, and you say, huh, well, maybe my life isn't so bad. Nancy in Heartland. Nancy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi, Nancy. Um,
3: has anybody said anything about the cats. I, I've been listening to you talk about the show. I listened to Gene and company talk about it this morning, and everybody talks about the crazy, freaky people. But to me, that show would be way too depressing to watch just for the sake of all the big cats who are not having any kind of a life, I assume. It, what is there anything well, really said in the show about the cats?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, thanks for the call, Nancy. Actually, that's the whole undercurrent of, of the show because the rivals are there's the, the one woman who was the victim of the alleged murder for hire thing. She's she runs this thing called Big Cat Rescue, and and her her thing is that okay, cats shouldn't be we, we shouldn't have these like circuses. We haven't shouldn't have these private zoos, etc. So. But then the question is, is: Is her operation really any better than than the, the zoos? And I, I'll leave that for people to decide. But yeah, I mean that is the undercurrent of this. And then they focus on some attempts to get legislation in. I mean, I I do look at that. And I guess I have the same conclusion. And I, I I've always felt this way about exotic animals. And I I know you you might disagree with me on this, but you hear these stories about the the people that have you know they, they go into the house and they have like two hundred snakes and things like that in the house. I just I, I'm a pet lover, okay? You, anybody that's a regular listener to this program knows how I feel about my dog. I, I don't... I, I the, the idea of these private zoos and these private breeders and the, these large cats that either belong in, in regular, normal zoos or belong in the wild, I, I, I mean, that is one of the undercurrents that come through here, too. And, and candidly, when you see some of the weird people that are in this industry, it does make you think, okay, maybe maybe we need to tighten the regulations. In any event... It, it, it's taking the nation by storm, and, and maybe in a non-coronavirus world, it wouldn't get any traction at all. But if you've got Netflix, it's worth checking out, I think. Watch the first 30 minutes. Watch the first episode, and then you're either going to say, I just hate all these people. I, I don't want anything more to do with them, and I understand that. Or you might say, gosh, I just want to see how this whole thing ends because the truth is it really doesn't end well for any of them. All right, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
3: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: I'm getting a lot of texts on this Tiger King thing. One of the things I will do is there's an article in the New York Times today about this, and uh, they've got links to... Two lengthy stories. One in the place a magazine called Texas Monthly, and the other in New York Magazine that that go into great details. A lot of stuff that's not in in the series, etc. I'll, I'll, on on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I'll, I'll send out a link to that story, and then you can link to the, these two larger articles. Which I, I'm not proud of this, but I, I printed them out this morning, and I now I'm holding them both in my hand, and so. That this afternoon when I'm done with the program I think I'm gonna take the dog for a walk and then I, I think I'm gonna kind of sit down with an adult beverage and read through the, these lengthy things just because I'm again I'm fascinated by by this whole thing um, and I guess I, I I don't know why but I'd like to learn more about it All right the election is scheduled for a week from Tuesday uh, a week from yesterday so six days from now um, It's the the presidential primary, Which is pretty much all over, but the shouting. And and quite candidly, the campaigns have been pretty much non-existent here anymore, contrary to what I think people thought was going to happen. I mean, Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee, and Bernie Sanders hasn't gotten out of the race. But it's it's all over, but the shouting for. Bernie Sanders. You've got the election for state Supreme Court that we can all vote for. Huge difference. You have the Liberal candidate out of Madison being heavily supported, large amounts of spending. That's going to be one of the stories today. An enormous, an enormous amount of money from the Democratic Party of Wisconsin put into the Jill Karofsky campaign. Um, so, I mean, clearly you understand where that is, and the conservative is Justice Dan Kelly. But that's something that everybody can vote for. And then you have various county judge races. You've got the Milwaukee County. You've got the county executive race in the city of Milwaukee. You've got the the election between Tom Barrett and uh, Lena Taylor for, for mayor. So number of important races, but the number of races that you're going to have a chance to vote for are going to vary depending on, on where you are in the state obviously there are concerns because we're under the safe at home or safer at home orders um, for many people they have voted early my wife and I did that last week we did the in-person absentee voting went went fine there was no problem a- at all it didn't take that long to do it um, a number of people are now voting absentee requesting the ballots by mail and and then sending them in. There's a hearing in front of a federal judge this afternoon, I think it kicks off in about a half hour, trying to get the federal judge to order the election delayed. He has sent signals apparently saying that that's not going to happen. Governor doesn't want it to lay the state legislature, which would have to, I think, enact legislation. They don't, they're, they're, they're not going to do that. So it appears that unless the judge intervenes, and I don't think that's going to happen, it, it is going to go on as scheduled. The governor has said that he's going to bring in the National Guard to help in some areas where they're having problems. Getting enough poll workers who are willing to come in and, and volunteer. Lots of poll workers have called in sick as a result, or and, or they're afraid. They just and I, I get it. You know, you're 75 years old. You've been volunteering. You're in one of those high risk groups. You've been told stay out of public. You you don't. Last thing you want to do is go into a public sort of area. So what's happening is in a number of communities they're consolidating the, the polling places. In Waukesha, for example. Um, there, there's one polling location, I believe, a location the, the rec center in downtown. In Menominee Falls, they, they however many polling places they normally have, you, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to vote at uh, the high school. So places are doing that. In Milwaukee, they're not offering as many places to vote as before. That, that's that's what's going on. So it appears that the election is going to continue. The judge today might order some modifications, perhaps allowing, it might have to do with, like, the mail-in ballots, maybe allowing mail-in ballots that are postmarked by Election Day to still be counted, things like that. But, but it appears that the election is going to go off as scheduled. Here is what I want to discuss from with you as a voter. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you have not yet voted, if you didn't do the early in-person absentee voting, or you, you haven't made arrangements to get your ballot in the mail um, and, and don't anticipate doing that, are you reluctant to go out and show up and vote in person? 855-616-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. And for example, if you are a regular voter who, who shows up like I do at the polls you know, every time there is an election, and for whatever reason, you haven't really voted or you don't have the, haven't the, have requested the absentee ballot for the mail. Are you reluctant to go to a polling place and vote in person next Tuesday? And do you think you're going to pass on voting because of that? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know what the electorate is going to look like on next Tuesday. I don't think anybody does. But assuming that there is an election, assuming that there are polling places open... Are you going to be going? We'll discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Assuming that the election goes off as scheduled next Tuesday, and I believe that that's going to be the case, if you haven't voted early or you haven't made arrangements to get a ballot in the mail, are, are you planning to, to show up? Jacob in West Dallas. Jacob, you're first. Good afternoon. All right, How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Okay. Are, are you going to show up at the polls on Tuesday? I think I'm going to have to, um, mostly because
2: I attempted to change my address. I actually moved last February uh, to West Dallas, and um, they... Uh, I tried to change my password online, but you have to do it 30 days prior to the election. And right. I tried it nine days. So they told me I either had to deliver my paperwork to the city clerk or go in during the election or during the, right. the voting. So right. I'm forced to. I am a little apprehensive about it, but I'm going to go anyway. I might like right. find a spot where there's not a lot of people, but <laughs> I'm not that worried. I think our credit process is... Um,
1: worth it. Well, good for you. No, thanks for the call, Jacob. I mean, I mean, good for you. I mean, I, I look. I understand that this is it, it's a challenge. And, and all along, my biggest concern has been: Are, are you going? Are we going to have enough workers, enough volunteers to to pull the thing off? And and again, I understand this is an election under circumstances that we we haven't anticipated before. But at the same time, I guess I do look and feel that if, if we're willing to. Stand in line and make social distancing choices so we, when we go to, to pick and save, or we go to Myers, or we go to Costco, do we, if we're going to let people do that, can we really get into a situation where we're going to say, okay, but, but we're not going to let you, you vote? Assuming we're able to get enough people to keep the polls open. I mean, I, I think it's not unreasonable to expect people, again, applying the social distancing thing, you know, to, to go out. And, and hopefully, and we've already seen that, just an enormous number of people who've requested the absentee ballots. Vicky on the northwest side. Vicky, you're on WTMJ.
3: Yeah, I requested an absentee ballot probably a week and a half ago. and haven't received it yet. I really am nervous about going to the polls because there's only going to be about 10 of them open in Milwaukee, and I have no idea where I would have to go. Um, right. Is there options if I don't get my ballot in the mail? I mean, if it doesn't come until later this week, it won't get there very very early. You know, I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I, and I don't know the answer to that, Vicki. Hey, thanks for the call. I, I don't know the answer to that. I there, There's this hearing in Madison today. I would not be surprised if the – Federal judge orders. I don't think he's going to call off the whole election. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to order the election called off. They they might say some modifications. For example, providing that that absentee ballots requested that absentee ballots, as long as they're, for example, postmarked by the day of the election, get get counted. I. I Something like that. I mean, I, I know some of the parties are saying, well, we, we think people should be able to, you know, vote for a couple of weeks after the election. I, I don't see that happening. I, I want to continue this conversation. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I've got to take a quick break for the news, but if you're on the line, uh, please hang on. If you're not, I'd like, how are you reacting to this? I think voting is important, but I understand we're in, we're in uncharted waters here. If you haven't voted yet you haven't requested the absentee ballot or don't think you're going to go in for early voting, what are you going to do on Election Day? Are you going to show up at the polls and cast the ballot? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And
1: now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Hey, let me be self-indulgent for just a moment. One of the the great things about getting married again a couple years ago, and so is my lovely wife had this entire universe of family and friends who now are part of my universe of family and friends, and I love it. And, one of our, it happens to be, just out of a coincidence, one of the, well, the woman that she describes as her second mom growing up actually happens to be one of our, like, regular listeners three hours a day, five days a week. Her name is Betsy. Betsy is having a birthday today, so happy birthday, Betsy. Um, wish I could see you. See you once this whole thing ends. All right, 855-616-1620, that is the AccuNet Mortgage talk and text line. The election is scheduled for next Tuesday, unless a federal judge. Judge intervenes this afternoon and I don't think he's going to. Uh, there there will be in person voting. Now you can do the early absent you can do the early in person absentee voting. You can request a ballot in the mail. But for people who have not done that, all right, are you going to show up at the polls? Let's talk to James in Milwaukee. James, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon.
4: How you doing, Jeff?
1: I'm good. What are you going to do? Are you going to vote?
4: No, I'm not because I think that uh this is a big sham. I think that we're going to be like Iowa was a few months back, and I think that this is going to be a messy thing. We're the only. We're going to be the only one that's going to be voting on uh, uh, next Tuesday there, and the whole country is going to laugh and look at us and say, "Look at what a big, green thing they couldn't even get their." Act together, both parties, you know, and everything else have really moving this to a later date. I think could have been, could have happened, and everybody would have been happy. But you got the, you got the judges, you got the mayor, you got a variety of other things that are, are more important. You know, a lot of important type of things that are vo- uh, to vote on. I mean, this is not just a little, you know, dog and pony type of show that you could get away with and say, well, well, oh, it really doesn't matter. This is a pretty good sized thing for everybody that's going to amount to a lot of different things, uh, changes and everything else in the state here.
1: Well, hey, thanks for the call, James. No, there's no question. I mean, it, it it's huge. I mean, the, the, the race for Supreme Court is enormous. Matter of fact, the, some of the new numbers are in. If you want to understand what's going on, Jill Karofsky, who is the liberal Madison district court judge, circuit court judge, uh, the numbers are apparently the state Democratic Party put 1.3 million dollars 1.3 million dollars into her campaign so if you want to think that these races are nonpartisan i you know it, look there there is a huge effort by the organized left in wisconsin to try to take back control of the state supreme court now that that plan didn 't work as the result of an election last week, but actually now Karofsky will outspend Justice Daniel Kelly b- largely by virtue of all this special interest money that 's coming into her campaign one point three million from the state democratic party so no you 're exactly right there there are important elections that are there, and I guess i don 't understand and i don 't claim to know. If the election goes on on Tuesday, who who gets the advantage and who doesn't? I mean, it, it seems to me that in-person turnout is going to be really dramatically lower because there's going to be a lot of people who just aren't going to feel comfortable going to the polls. At the same time, their early voting in Madison and in Milwaukee – they, they opened up, so you had people, if you want to assume that people in Milwaukee and Madison are more likely to vote for liberal candidates, they had early voting before, say, most of the state did. But I, I So I don't know how it's going to cut. I, I, I just don't. I also know, though, that in a number of the more conservative areas, there's been a lot of people who've been showing up and have been early voting. Dennis in Fox Point. Dennis, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Dennis. Yeah. I uh, I'm one of those poll workers who's not going to show up. <laughs> I okay. called and told them yeah. that, and right. uh, I I just didn't appreciate the fact that they wanted to put us at risk. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't have any health problems. You know, I am going to be 65 in May, but notwithstanding being there for 15 hours is is yep. quite a haul on your system. First of all, and Secondly, to do that with all these people coming in, not knowing what's going on, it uh, just didn't sit well with me. And as it turns out, not a single person from my polling place is, is going to be there as well. So I was in good company in telling them we're not we're not being there.
1: What are so? so I mean, do you do you volunteer, do you that. volunteer in Fox Point. Is is it Fox Point where you? No, volunteer? No, 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 no.
4: I actually I, I volunteer down in Southside where I live. Okay. I okay. Live got, it,
1: got it. Got it. No, understood. Okay, so so, so what, are, what are they going yeah. to do in your community? Are they going to, if you said everybody in your polling place is is not going to be there, are, are they going to consolidate it? Do you know what they're going to do? Well, that, what, what is the plan? I'm in B?
4: Milwaukee. I am in Milwaukee. Right, okay. I'm waiting to see what they're going to do, because they still really haven't been real clear about that from what I can tell. And, and furthermore, uh, I would normally vote on Election Day, because even though I'm working at a poll, my polling place is like five minutes from where, you know, I was working, so I'd always just right. bug out and, and come back, you know, during one of my breaks, and uh, and that's when I would vote. And I, I haven't got a clue where they're going to be. In fact, it's just going to sound strange, even though I work for the polls and that. I don't even know the about my ward or any of huh. that stuff. Right, but, right. No, I, but, uh, I, I don't, I, so I don't Okay, so I, once they decide what to do with it, is, I, I'm feeling a bit disenfranchised right now.
1: Well, I mean, well, do you think you're going to vote? I mean, do you think but, you're going to vote on this?
4: I want to, I, you know, I want to do that, and the reason why I have less problem doing that is because, like I said, I'm not sitting around for 15 hours with you know, all sorts of people, no, and no. I feel I can keep the safe distance, and that's sure. less of a problem for me. And you know, and truth be told, I I work for one of these businesses that's considered essential. I deliver newspapers in the morning, but my contact with people is next to nothing. Okay, right. so I feel that's kind of safe. You know, even right now, yeah. I'm doing some delivery work. But again, I'm not contacting people yeah. at all. You know, so yeah. the the thing with the voting, I I, I don't think it's going to be that much, that many people around. I think it'll be fairly safe personally. But
1: do you think they should have delayed, the delayed the election? I do. Election?
4: I mean, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm hot as heck about that. You know, I, right. I've been talking to people for the last, you know, almost a month now. I saw some of this right. coming that far away. It's just, I thought it was insanity. How can you tell people to stay at home, and then the vast majority of the poll workers are in the very age group that you consider most at risk?
1: Right. right. And, and you want them to go to work. Give no, me thank, thanks for calling. No, I, I, I appreciate it. That is, see, to me, the, the issue, and I've tried to be consistent on this, has always been are you going to have enough people there that are going to be able to pull this off? They're really – there, there isn't anything magic, but I, I think if you were going to put off the election, you needed to do it weeks and weeks ago. There, there's nothing really magic about, about April, the, the April 7th date, because, you know, as we've talked about before, for the, the presidential primary, well, okay, it's, it's pretty much all over, but the shouting, there really hasn't been a campaign. You know, the, the the campaigns, the Biden campaign, the Sanders campaign, whatever's left of it, that, that's all sort of been put on hold. Nobody's focusing on that, but it doesn't matter because Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. That's the reality. The Supreme Court race is a big deal, no question about it. But the term, I mean, Justice Kelly is on the bench now. The, the term, his term, regardless of what happens during the election, his term doesn't expire until, I think, July 31st. So you could stage an election in early June. And you know you you 'd still have enough time for for if justice kelly lost you 'd still have enough time for the for the, the new candidate to take over. same thing is true with all the circuit race court races now it 's different in places like Milwaukee, where the mayor 's term expires like a week or so after the election. i believe maybe two weeks but but the bottom line is if you didn 't have the election. You would have Mayor Barrett continuing to serve after his time has expired. Same thing true with all the aldermen. Same thing true with the county executive. Chris Abley would presumably stay on. How big a deal that is, I I don't know. But it it is a little bit more of a problem. But the way it stands right now, people are going to have to make that decision as to what they're going to end up uh, doing. Okay, let's go to some texts here. Jeff, I'm a poll worker in the town of Cedarburg. The town has taken every precaution to ensure the safety of the poll workers. Masks, hand sanitizers, wipes are readily available, and plexiglass screens were installed to separate us from the voters. The screens were put up during early voting and will also be up during the election day. With as much early voting as we have had, plus the absentee ballots, the actual turnout will likely be low. But I think the point is there's still going to be a lot of people that end up voting. Um, Jeff, I will vote in November come hell or high water, but the primary is not worth the risk. Um, Let's see. uh, Dave from Appleton. Jeff, my worry is that after the election, if Justice Kelly wins by 10,000 votes... The Democrats are going to scream bloody murder, um, et cetera, et cetera. Jeff, it's not too late to vote now. I got my absentee ballot, followed the rules, and voted. Um, You better not tell me now that my vote won't count. Well, no, I I don't think there's any question. I mean, everybody's vote's going to count. Like I say, I voted voted last week or maybe the week before that. It all kind of blurs right now. But I did the early absentee voting. Those votes are in, and those votes are going to count. The only question becomes how... You know, how long are they going to open this up? Jeff, I'm a 52-year-old man in a small township in Sheboygan County. I don't think there's much on our ballot except the state court race that you're talking about. If not for that, I probably would have skipped, but I requested a mail ballot yesterday because I don't want to risk going to the polls, even though I'm sure attendance that day will be light. Jeff? Um, with all due respect for Governor Revers, he's a hypocrite. You can't tell people to stay home and then hold a general election. Postpone it, please, because in 14 days you're going to blame the president for the number of illnesses that go up in Wisconsin. I have my absentee ballot. It has to be witnessed. No one is coming around to my house these days to witness my signature, though. So here it sits. Um, it does have to be. Um, it does have to be witnessed. Jeff, I know there's a big problem in trying to access the absentee ballot registration on the website. It's only letting people use a new browser, and you cannot get an absentee ballot using a cell phone, and it has to be done via laptop and via Internet Explorer. It will not let you get an absentee ballot with a Google Chrome browser, which I had a problem with and had to download Internet Explorer just to get the ballot mailed to me. It was frustrating and inconvenient, which is why... The idea of let's let's conduct an election mail only was just a complete and total non-starter from the beginning. Maybe, maybe at some point in time, <clears throat> that we'll be prepared to do that, but not now. So, in any event, as it stands now, the election still scheduled for next Tuesday. To the extent that you feel you can do it safely, I encourage you to vote. To the extent you can vote by mail, I encourage you to do it. To the extent that you um, feel comfortable <coughs> going to the polls. And voting early in-person absentee, that's what I did. There was no problem. There were about, uh, when my wife and I got there, there were about a half dozen people who were sitting at tables scattered out voting. There was very, very little contact at, at all. I felt perfectly safe in doing that, didn't feel it was endangering me in any way, shape, or form. At least in my community, they could not have handled it better. But the bottom line is, if there is an election and you feel you can do it safely, I certainly encourage you to go out and vote because there are important races, starting with the Supreme Court. The presidential primaries, like I say, that's pretty much over, but for the shouting. um, State Supreme Court race, very, very important. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Back with lots more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One of our texters asked a very interesting question. They said, "Jeff, be honest. If you were a poll worker, would you show up at the polls and work next Tuesday?" And I, actually, I was during the break. I was thinking about what the honest reaction to that would be, and. I, I guess my honest answer would be it It depends. It depends on, you know, what are the... I'd like to think I would say yes. Um, I, in my particular case, I, I'm not in the vulnerable populations. You know, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be, but I, I, I'm not... I, I'm not worried. I don't want to get coronavirus. Don't get me wrong. Nobody should want. Nobody should want that. But I, I'm not necessarily worried. If I if I got it, I think I'd probably be one of those people that ended up being uncomfortable and recovering. But I don't want to expose myself to unnecessary risks and expose the people around me to unnecessary risks. I guess my question would be: I, I'd want to see what the what the particular polling place. What were they doing to try to, as best possible, ensure the safety? of, of of the people that were working at the polls, and I guess so. My my answer, and it's it's not trying to avoid the question. My answer is it it just, just kind of depends on on what was going on there. Like I say, when I went in to vote, <clears throat> which admittedly is is a different a different situation. I, I'm in and out in five minutes, and the interaction is very very limited. It's much different if you're there for 15 hours a, a day. I felt I did not feel uncomfortable at all. Going in and early in-person voting, but I mean, I wasn't standing in long lines or anything like that. I, I have much more contact with with people, or closer contact with people when I walk into I don't know the hardware store. Like I went had to go get something at the hardware store this morning, or the office supply store, the grocery store. I'm much closer to people, and and much more, and even with the social distancing. I think the, that would be a more uncomfortable interaction than I would have at least voting. But it is different if you were working there. So my answer is I, I don't know. I, if, if you have a poll workers who've decided they don't feel comfortable, I would be the last one to criticize them, period. All right, but speaking of people that deserve to be criticized, you know, about a week or so ago, we, we talked about, to borrow the phrase from Keith Olbermann, you know, one of the worst people in America, and it was the guy in Tennessee, he and his brother, who when we first, at early March, they first started having coronavirus deaths in the U.S., he recognized a, a quote-unquote opportunity. So, you know, he had his brother Cletus jump in the truck and they, they went, you know, through a, like a three-state three-state binge buying all the hand sanitizer they could find and then they brought it back to the guy's place in northern Tennessee or whatever and then they started trying to sell hand sanitizer, stuff that you could buy at the dollar store for a dollar, And they were trying to sell it for like $80 a piece on, on eBay because they knew people were freaking out and people were desperate for those things. And then ultimately eBay found out and shut them down. Um, Also, the the various attorneys general uh, from the the states found out about it. And the guy gives this interview with USA Today or the New York Times, I forget which one it was, where he's actually proud of what he did. And he doesn't understand why price gouging during a pandemic is something that people could get upset about. Ultimately, the scheme didn't work because the authorities came in and they took about two-thirds of it and the rest he ended up donating to charity. But these people who profiteer, are, are to me, well, there, there's two kinds of pond scum in the world. There's the, the crusty brown stuff on the top of the pond, and then there's the squishy green stuff on the bottom. The crusty brown stuff, if you get it on your, you can just kind of like brush it off, but it's the squishy green stuff that's really icky. Well, okay, here's another story of squishy green stuff. Um, a number of people are, are working at home, you know, they're <clears throat> because of, again, the safer-at-home standards and the fact that, the businesses are trying to be responsible, and they don't want their employees interacting with each other face-to-face during this time of, of panic, pandemic, and it, it, all, it all makes sense. But in order to work from home, sometimes people who aren't used to doing that, they, they need extra equipment, and one of the things that lots of people now end up needing is um, like, like the cameras, like the webcams. Now maybe you have one on on your computer, but a lot of people don't. You know, this, so these are the webcams. It's the things that you you could plug in. So if you're sitting at you've got your desktop computer or whatever, you can interact and you can participate in meetings and things like that. All right, it's it's something that that is now more in demand than it was. These. These webcams, well, the cost of them all over the map. I mean, they, you know, you you can get some, you can get like starter webcams for like a hundred bucks, but typically, you know, they, they go up to like five hundred bucks. That that's the the price range. There are people that are selling these five hundred dollar kind of high end webcams um, on eBay and on Walmart's website and things like that. They want what's the number, $46,000 for a, a $500 camera, or they want $390 for a $40 camera. I mean, the amount of price gouging that's going on is absolutely appalling. So if you're trying to figure out you know, whether the people that are profiteering like this and violating the laws in times of an emergency, if you're trying to figure out you know, where they fit on the hierarchy of pond scum, Trust me, people that are profiteering in these times—they're—they're not—they're not the crusty brown stuff on the top of the pond. They're the squishy green stuff at the bottom of the pond. All right, we'll be back with more in just a minute. Right now, it is one thirty. Let's take a uh, let's—I I owe a break. Let's take a quick break. Right, right, group back at the station. I got to take a break before I throw the news. Take a take a quick break, and then we'll be back with the news. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Right. This is a tough time to be in a number of businesses. There's no question about it. And, and you know, and matter of fact, I don't know that there's any area of the economy uh, that, that's, that's been untouched by this. I understand there's some businesses, just a handful, that might be thriving. I mean, the, the grocery industry doing really, really well. Um, package delivery, that <clears throat> that's doing really well. But in general, pretty much all across the economy, what you're seeing is businesses either shuttered or you're seeing businesses that have um, dramatically reduced their, their ability to interact with customers and stuff. And that's going to be something that the economy is going to have to deal with. One of the industries that's been hit extremely hard is, is the airline industry. And there's a couple things going on. First of all, just <clears throat> people aren't traveling. I mean, we, we've got all these stay-at-home orders. You know, people aren't traveling. You know, maybe maybe you had a, a trip scheduled, I don't know, over, <clears throat> over Easter. You were going to go to Disney World, so you were going to fly from Milwaukee to Florida. Well, okay, right now, Disney World I- is closed. And so, you know, it doesn't make any sense to fly to Disney World. You're, you're not going to be able to go there. So people are canceling their air, airlines. Um, maybe you had... Uh, plans that, hey, you want to go to Washington, D.C., um, would take the kids as soon as school ends. Well, who knows what's going to happen to school? We're going to talk about that a little bit. But, you know, with all the uncertainty, you're not booking flights. I mean, the air airports are like, Ghost towns, I mean, just absolutely like ghost towns. you have these stories about people who are, are coming in on planes, and there's five or six people on the plane and I you know, i don't remember the last time i haven't been on a pl- I was on a plane where it, it wasn't if not completely full ninety eight percent full well that that's not the case nowadays, so because some people still have to travel, so the airlines still have to fly, but they've been hit i mean there's no question about it and then, when it comes to <clears throat> some flights, particularly the international flights. Well, you've had various governments that have moved in, and they've said, "Okay, we're we're not allowing flights to to come in. You know, you 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 cannot fly from China to the U.S. Okay, we're we're not doing that. There is this quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. So here is the issue: What if you were one of the people that had booked international travel over the course of the last month or so, and that international the the flights were canceled, The, the airlines can't fly, flights were canceled? Well, what what do you think, what would you want? If you were scheduled to fly to London, you know, next week, and and now you can't because the the airline has canceled the flight, either because of the quarantine or or whatever. So they've canceled the flight. You've already booked your ticket. What do you think should happen? Now, I think a lot of people would say, well, it's it's real simple. They, They canceled my flight. I can't go. I want my money back. Right? Yeah, that, that that's fine. I, I booked the trip. The airline says I can't take the trip. Now, I probably don't want to take the trip anyways, but, but I can't because the flight has been canceled. I want my money back. Well, what they're finding, and there's a big story about this in the Wall Street Journal, is many, many airlines are saying, <clears throat> no, we're not going to give you your money back. We're going to keep your money. What we're going to do is that um, we will... We'll give you a credit. We'll give you a, a voucher, for example, um for good for you know future international travel. Or, you know, we'll agree to allow you to rebook your flight to London, you know, at some later time once we start flying, and you can rebook your flight and there there won't be any change fees or anything like that. Or you know, we might even be willing to give you an extra credit, like an extra 20% towards international travel. But, of course, there's a lot of people that maybe were scheduled to, to go to London for a particular thing in, I don't know, May. That flight has now been canceled, and you don't know if you're ever going to want to go back to London again. But yet there's a number of particularly um, international aircraft uh, carriers, including Lufthansa, Air France, emigrants, a- um, Turkish, Scandinavian, um, El Al, WestJet, um, who've all said, we're, we're not going to give you cash refunds. What we're going to do is, again, we're going to, we'll give you a voucher, but um, that's it. United is making customers wait a year for refunds on international flights it cancels. United is issuing vouchers towards future flights and telling customers they can get a refund later if they don't use it, but you got to wait a year. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand airlines are hurting. I, I get it. They're, they're hurting like all sorts of other businesses that are hurting. And I do understand that if, you know, typically, for example, with domestic travel, you know, if you decide that you want, if the flight's going to go, and you decide that you want to change your flight. Well, I mean, there, there's limitations, you know. I mean, I have a flight booked um, mid June. We're going to Disney World. Uh, Fran and I are going with my brother and and my niece and nephew. I, I don't know if that trip's still going to occur or not. But I do understand that if we end up, <clears throat> if the flights go, and for whatever reason we decide that we're not going to go, I, I understand that because of the tickets I bought, I'm going to be able to get a credit. I, I get it. But I'm not going to be able to get a cash refund. I understand. I'll get a credit, and I'll be able to use that. But if I had an international flight booked, and the airline canceled it, not me canceling it, I, I think I think they should be giving me my cash back. And this idea of, no, you have to take a voucher, or you have to wait a year before you can get your money back. Now, now maybe they want to give me incentives to take the, the voucher for example if they say hey you know your, your ticket cost 500 bucks pull a number out of the hat you know if if instead of taking the 500 bucks we're going to give you a, a credit for 600 for example well maybe i'd consider doing that if i figure i'm going to travel at some point in time but i think consumers should have the right to get their money back if it's the airline that cancels the flight 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line am i right Do you deserve your money back under these circumstances? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with David in Sussex. David, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon. Um, So we were actually supposed to be going to Ireland in uh, two weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. We had a trip booked. Um, We were going to fly on Aer Lingus. Um, One of our friends, uh, their daughter, was studying abroad, and we were going to make it a big 10-day trip and go there. Um, Notified the airline and said, um, can we get our money back? And they did exactly what you said. They offered a voucher, not giving our money back. When we did go through the process of um, agreeing to the voucher money back, um, they did have to say, I, I had to check a box basically saying that I'm agreeing not for my money back, but they're giving us a voucher with 20%. And it's all, it's all of Europe. I mean, it's, we can go to Greece. We could go anywhere Aerolingus right. flies. And and right. when I'm when I'm thinking about it, I'm going, it's kind of forcing us to go somewhere. It was going to be a big trip for my wife and I. And so mm-hmm. this will clear. This will, this will, we will move beyond this. And right. it'll be a trip that we can do because we were supposed to be going somewhere for our 25th wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And it'll just we'll go somewhere.
1: Yeah. Let, let's say okay that. <clears throat> let's say though that this was a, a once in a lifetime thing. That, that this was going to you. You had something special. Maybe you had a niece or something who was studying in Barcelona or whatever. So this was going to, and you really had no desire to go to Europe except we're going to go for this one special thing. Do you think you should have had the option? Now, I mean, I understand. You, you, t- you took the deal, and the deal makes sense to me. And candidly, if I was in a situation like that, I might take the deal, too, because, I mean, I'm gonna, I love going, you know, travel to Europe, and I'm going to do that a lot. I think I'm going to continue to do that a lot. Um, do you think, though, you should have had the option of getting the dough back if you wanted it?
2: Um, I think this is probably what's going to happen, yeah. is I think yeah. um, this is probably their first choice. Is they're going to see how many people jump on the voucher, and they're going to hold right. out, and because they don't want to give the money back, um, and then see if something if something would happen, so if you're going to be holding out um, for it, eventually you may get your money back if you, um, right. state your stance right. enough. They might they might make an exception, but obviously I think they're going to probably um, try to get as many people to get take the voucher as they can.
1: No, thanks for the call, David. I appreciate. It. Now it's interesting because federal law says that you, if your flight is canceled, now there's a difference. If your flight is canceled by the airline, as opposed to you canceling it. So, like again, you know, you're. The I, you're and I know it's different because we're talking about international flights now. But let's assume, like I said, for sake of argument, I'm going to I'm supposed to go to Disney World in June. Um, let let's say Disney World is still closed, so it doesn't make any sense to go. But the flight that I was booked on from Milwaukee to Orlando that goes, but it doesn't make any sense for me to travel down there. So I cancel it, even though the flight's going to go. Well, that's a different sort of thing. But but if the under federal law, if the airline cancels your flight. Um, then they have an obligation under the law to give you a rebate. Now, what the airlines are saying is that these rules don't apply when it's not us canceling the flights, it's government orders. Hey, you're not allowed to fly here, so it's not us that's canceling the flight. We're ready to go ahead with the flight, but the government is telling us that we can't. So the airlines are arguing that means this giving the people the cash back shouldn't necessarily apply to us, and I'll let the lawyers figure that out. I guess I I just think that regardless of what happens, if, if the flight is canceled, whether or not It's canceled because the airline just uh, the the plane's got a mechanical problem, or it's canceled because for whatever reason the airline can't make the flight. I guess I just think the consumer should be entitled to their money back if they choose that. Now again, I I understand what our first caller was talking about. If you're going to be making other trips and you can get you know a twenty percent credit you know per ticket and you don't need the money right away, well maybe it makes economic sense to take that offer. I'm I'm not. arguing with that one way or the other. I'm just saying that if, for example, you you need that money back, I think you should be able to get it back. James in Menominee Falls. James, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hey, Jeff, thanks for having me. I totally agree with your take there. I think it's ridiculous that the airlines are stubbornly refusing to give people their cash back. They weren't paid in vouchers. And I think we really need to pay attention to how each industry acts during this crisis towards consumers. Airlines already have access to federal stimulus dollars to defray the costs of this crisis, so there's no reason that they should be pushing yet more of the costs back on the consumers. And I've always maintained that airlines and air travel is one of the only industries that's actually depreciated in value. You know, you're crammed into a smaller space. It's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's representative of the airline's entire approach to the consumer, and I think that they need to uh, remit cash as soon as possible, and, and they should be basically held accountable if they don't.
1: Well, right, because otherwise, <clears throat> what it is, is it's it's an interest-free loan. Like, for example, I mean, I, again, I, I'm talking domestic, not international, but it's the same premise. I mean, when, when we decided to go to Disney World in June, I, I bought my plane. I don't remember when I bought the plane tickets. I probably bought them a couple months ago, and I paid for them. So the airline has had my money, you know, for several months already, you know, kind of like an interest-free loan. Well, if it turns out that that flight's not going to go why should they be entitled, again, if I don't want to cut a deal and take a voucher, why should they be entitled to, you know, continue to keep my money and say, no, Jeff, we'll, we'll give you a voucher that you can use any time in the next year. No, I, if I want to go somewhere, I'll, I'll buy another ticket somewhere down the line. Give me my money back because you can't deliver on what it was that I purchased, namely a trip, you know, a, plane, a seat on a plane to Ireland next week.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. And I think, additionally, the stance that these airlines are taking right now is they're not even going to pay back the principal. They're going to take the principal of the loan, too, and just offer you some sort of worthless voucher that you can only use on their airline to go to a certain destination. It's just ridiculous. Like I say, I think airlines have always been, uh, you know, arranged against the consumer uniquely, you know, compared to other industries. And I think this is just yet another notch in that belt.
1: Yeah, no. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, James. And again, look, and I, I look, I, I, I don't want to see the airline industry go under. Okay, so I mean, I, I understand that that they've got unique pressures, and that this whole thing is is not their fault. But but you can say that to a lot of people. And I guess I'm, I, I'm trying to picture, and the, the people I have in in mind isn't necessarily our first caller. Who I, and I understand you, you're offering an extra twenty percent. Good, it, it makes sense. You know, you're going to travel. But I'm trying to figure. Okay, maybe. Let's imagine that there's all right somebody who has just found that, as a result of what's happened over the course of the last month you know that they, they were scheduled they they prepaid you know the the flight for you know they they were going separate air on a particular flight that's been cancelled all right they, they were going to go two weeks from now or whatever and and that's been cancelled and and maybe their economic situation has changed. Okay, maybe they've lost their job. Maybe they've been furloughed. Maybe there, there's all these other expenses, and the, the idea is, they need that money. And, and yes, maybe they're going to travel, and maybe they're going to take that trip to Ireland sometime in the future, but it's not necessarily going to be in the next few months or whatever, and right now, they have a more immediate need of, of getting that money back because, again, I don't know how much the tickets cost. Let's let's say 500 bucks a piece. You know, you know they have other uses for that $1,000. I think that they should have a right to get that money back again the the airline I think should be doing this we shouldn't even having to be having this discussion it just strikes me that it's the right thing to do all right we're gonna take a quick break we'll be back with more in just a minute this is Jeff Wagner WTMJ <laughs>
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Wish I had some good news for you when it comes to the stock market, but after a couple days of gains, uh, yesterday was not great. Today, really not good. Right now, the Dow Jones Industrials down 954 points. That's 4.3 percent below 21,000 again. The Nasdaq off 4.5 percent. Uh, that's, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it comes from the president's press conference yesterday, where. Um, he said we 've got these instruct we 've got this information we 've got these numbers, and the surveys say we we could over the course of the next <clears throat> over the course of this pandemic see as many as two hundred and forty thousand lives lost Now the range was a hundred to two hundred and forty thousand the The media of course picks up the two hundred and forty thousand number." Uh, painting it in the worst case scenario imaginable and I think that that's had an effect as well but it is what it is, Dow down 959 points right now after a couple days of success uh, The this is going to be a summer like no others, I, I know there's still people holding out hope that the basketball season is going to resume, I, I just, I don't see it just because we're, we're running out of time I mean it's it's already, what, April 1st, so you have shelter-in-place orders in, in Wisconsin for the next, what, three-plus weeks. You've got the federal guidance saying, you know, we, we need the social distancing and stuff through April. You've got the governor of Virginia saying he wants the state shut down until – or he going to order the state shut down until June. I mean, I just – I don't understand, and you're going to have hot spots for this coronavirus. I mean, I tell me how you're going to be able to resume, you know, playing basketball, and anytime soon. I mean, tell me how realistically you're going to be able to, and, and even once you get the all clear. Where you feel it's safe for the the players to come back and play, you're, you're still you're going to need a couple weeks training camp presumably to get people back in shape, and then um, you're, you're still going to be dealing with the whole aspects of travel, even if you're going to be playing in empty an, empty arenas, uh, just for like kind of a made for TV event. You're, you're still going to have the travel. You're still going to have people having to fly to you know to New York or Detroit or or wherever. I just you're running out of time on this season, and that is why. <clears throat> it, it doesn 't make me happy i just don 't i just don 't understand how you can come back and resume the season it seems to me that this is going to be an asterisk, and it's just going to probably end where it should. I'm wondering about what's going to happen with the baseball season, because I mean, of course, opening day was supposed to be last Thursday, and again, it's the same kind of dynamic. You're you're still saying to people don't travel, don't travel to the epicenters. If you travel, you're coming from New York, you should be quarantined for two weeks. Okay, I don't know how long that's going to be in place, but tell me how that's going to work with professional athletes. And again, you Got the whole concern about you know people gathering together with like forty thousand people you know in, in Miller Park. Tell, tell me how logistically that's going to work, and as more and more time goes on, it, it just it seems to me it seems to me we're on the verge of losing summer, I, I guess. And and maybe that's a small price to pay given everything that's that's going on nowadays. But you look at the things, the announcement today that Wimbledon, the which is probably the the premier tennis tournament. Um, in the world, every year, Wimbledon has now been canceled. That was scheduled for generally it's that, scheduled for early to mid July. That's when they play Wimbledon. So that's been canceled for the first time since World War II. You've got on a local level, you've got the, the news yesterday that Festa Italiana, which is scheduled for mid July, that they, they've now they've canceled it. And I, I understand why the organizers did it because there's so much uncertainty going on. Who knows what the world's going to look like in a couple months? Who knows if people will feel comfortable gathering large numbers at the, um, at the lakefront? And because of the, all the uncertainty, you know, how do you arrange for the vendors and the acts and the volunteers? It just, it just becomes unworkable. But what we're already seeing now is <clears throat> we're seeing the, these cancellations and postponements, which were originally through April. Now they're moving through May. They're moving through June. And, and now they're, they're into July. Which brings me to the big, the big thing that was supposed to be in Milwaukee this summer, which is the Democratic National Convention. Now, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. This was going to be a big deal for Milwaukee. 50 plus 1000 people supposed to come to the city of Milwaukee. Think what that was going to do for hotels and for bars and for restaurants. Think that what that was going to do for tourism in general all throughout southeastern and, and maybe even, you know, south central Wisconsin. Now as it stands now, the DNC still on. But here's the reality. To rate to put this on the committee had to raise about 70 million dollars. I think the early report suggested they had raised like 15 or 20. Maybe they raised an additional five, whatever. But they, they still had a long way to go. I, I just, I don't see how there can be any realistic fundraising going on right now. And I've made this point before. How do you go out to a business uh, at the time of coronavirus, a business whose future is definitely uncertain and say, hey, you know, we'd like you to sponsor the Democratic National Convention. How, how do you do that? How do you even get meetings with those CEOs? Because my guess is every CEO that might be a corporate sponsor is now going to look at this and say, hey, we'd, we'd love to have helped. But you know, right now, how could we commit 5 or $10 million? By the way, we're furloughing all our employees, and we've stopped making contributions to our 401k plan. No, sorry, we're, we're not going to be able to give you money. They need 15,000 volunteers. Okay, who, who, who's, who's signing up to volunteer right now? even if you might have been inclined to do it. I mean, we were talking about poll workers, for goodness sakes, and poll workers are saying, you know, they, they don't want to come down. Now, again, maybe things are going to be different in a couple months, but right now is when you have to start getting the people. Right now is when you have to have the funding lined up, and my guess is that's come to a complete and total halt. So the story today, Washington Post and elsewhere, uh, Joe Biden, who will be the Democratic candidate for president, um, you know, he's he said, look, he said, I just... He said, I I just don't see, I have significant doubts about whether the Democratic National Convention will be held as planned in July. And he said, you know, we we might need to substantially alter this or, you know, we might need to postpone it. Now, one of the reasons that the, the Democratic Convention was in July is they were trying to get it done before the Summer Olympics. Well, the Summer Olympics aren't going to happen until next year, so you, you could, I guess, theoretically kick it back. The problem with, with kicking it back is you're, you're still in this area of uncertainty um, as far as fundraising, as far as volunteers, and, and who, knows, who knows what people are going to feel like in, in August or even in September about getting into large groups. Plus, when you're looking, you know, the further out you go, um, you know, people have started making other plans. I mean, how long can you push this back? Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Believe me, I take no pleasure in saying this because I think this would have been a huge economic boom for the community. I just don't see any way that the Democratic National Convention can occur as scheduled, and I don't see any way, realistically, that it could occur this year as it has occurred in previous years. I mean, I'll give you just another example here. You know, the, the delegates, the people that come, by and large, they, they, they pay their own way. I mean, by and large, you know you 're the delegates are the party activists, et cetera it 's not like the Democratic National Committee gives every delegate a check for x amount of dollars and here you we 're going to fly you there the The people, the rank and file people that come pay their own ways and i, I got to look i mean I think what 's going on in the economy the fact that you 've got a lot of people who 've if not lost their jobs they 've been laid off. You, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make rent, etc. I don't care what kind of an activist you are. My guess is a lot of people, a lot of those 50,000 people, you know, who maybe had budgeted to come, now their financial situation has changed dramatically. 855-616-1620. There's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Is there any way that the Democratic National Convention can go on as scheduled or as planned in Milwaukee in July, and it, I just I see no way. And uh, maybe maybe the sooner they come up with Plan B, the the better that's going to be. Because it's just like I say, we're we're pushing things off now to the fall all, already. Um, we're we're already pretty much through July. All these other events are being shut down in July. Is it just time to recognize the inevitable and say, hey, they're just, we're not going to be able to get people here, and unfortunately the city, the region, is going to lose out on the economic boom? Can the DNC still go on as scheduled? My answer would be I just don't see how. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, the other thing about the the DNC, I, I think ultimately, you know, either not occurring or certainly not occurring on the scope that that everybody had planned. I, I wonder what the fallout's going to be to a lot of of the businesses that are there. Because I am positive that there are a number of businesses this year when making their business plan, when sitting there and and figuring, okay, what's what is our year going to look like at the beginning of the year? It was like I think it was like, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to have. Let's just even talk about the hospitality industry. We're going to have the Bucks, and the Bucks are going to be in the playoffs, and their Bucks are going to probably have a long run in the playoffs. And we're going to have the Democratic National Convention here, and think about what that's going to do. We're going to have no hotel space, and think about what that's going to do for for restaurant spending and bar spending and and all that. <laughs> all that appears to be getting ready to go out the window. And that's that, that's tough, and it's through no fault of the businesses, but it, it's part of the reality of the stuff that's out there. Let me take a quick break. When we come back, I'll share some text I have with you. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: obviously there, there's a huge impact of the coronavirus pandemic on on individuals and on on businesses and i think that this the democratic national convention they haven't pulled the plug on it if if it goes ahead i don't see how it goes ahead when it's scheduled and i certainly don't see how it goes ahead in the the version it, it is now i mean joe biden actually asked the question you know can can you can you see 18 or 20,000 people you know piling into A you know convention center in in mid-july and the answer would be no we're looking at all the other stuff in July that's been scheduled then you run into the the practical realities of trying to schedule an event like that and whether given what the world looks like right now you know who who's going to end up coming I I just think you're going to be moving if it occurs it's going to be decidedly smaller and decidedly different Dave on the south side Dave here on WTMJ good afternoon
2: yeah, Jeff. I, I I don't think it could be redone in September either, because you know the Summerfest is rescheduled for September too, and that right. that would be a tough one to have both Summerfest and and the Democratic Convention. We don't even have the hotel space for uh, one or two. It's two. You yeah, got two events at the same right. time. It Be a tough tough rebook on those hotels. Yeah. Well,
1: well, yeah. I mean, think about the hotels, right? The hotels have been booked for the. the better part of a year even since since they made the announcement i mean people have been resuming regular have been doing that how do you even logistically pull something like that off and and that's assuming that that everybody's going to still come like i said i think there's probably a lot of people that are just going to say you know no we we'd love to participate but we don't feel comfortable being in in that environment just logistically i just i just don't see this as happening i don't see it happening
2: even if you're not a democrat it's it's a uh lot
1: of money thrown away Jeff. oh my gosh yeah no thank, thanks for calling yeah. I mean, that's no thank, I mean I, I've been I've been a cheerleader for this I, I'm thrilled that we had this and and the, the truth of the matter is this would have if it occurred. This would have been, uh, and again, they, they, haven't, they haven't pulled back on it yet. I'm just trying to be realistic about this. If this had inc- occurred, it would have been a huge financial shot in the arm for all these various industries that, that are really hurting right now, the hospitality industry, the hotels, et cetera, et cetera, with a giant influx of people. That's why this is a, it's a huge blow, and I, it, it contributes to me wondering when we come out of this, what's what's the landscape going to look like i mean the you know the big story about a week or two ago is punch bowl social which is one of the big bar restaurant places right across from the entrance to Pfizer down there on that mall okay they they've, they announced that they were closing in mid march and now they, they're, they're, they're not reopening. Now, part of that is because, again, there, there's a national foreclosure action. But I, I'm sure that one of the things that a lot of those area businesses were doing is they, they talk about how it's feast or famine. When there's something going on at Fiserv, for example, when there's something going on at Fiserv, they're packed. When there's nothing going on at Fiserv, and this has always been the, the case. It's not just Fiserv. This was true with the Bradley Center as well. You know, it's it's kind of like a ghost town down there. Um, you know, when, that that's what the attraction is. And I think what they were saying is that, you know, given the fact that the basketball season's now been suspended, given the fact that the DNC is very much up in the air, I'm sure when they were making budget plans for the beginning of the year, they were thinking, okay, we're going to have... All this great revenue because the Bucks have all these home games in April, etc., etc. And yeah, we, we we're going to do such great business on these nights that it's going to make up for the other nights that we don't do much business. And then we're going to have the Democratic National Convention. And can you imagine how many people we're going to have here? Well, now I think it's less likely that something like that is going to occur. Let's go to some text, Jeff. There will absolutely not be a Democratic Convention uh, this year in Milwaukee, Jeff i 'm bummed out, but i don't think we'll even have state fair this summer huh you know that's that's really the, the next shoe to drop and and i, I don't know I, I haven't Kathleen O'Leary, who you know runs the fair dear friend you know we've we've worked together for years and years The state fair is together with summerfest i mean those are those are my my two favorite summer uh, events and I, I love the fact <clears throat> that we get to broadcast. Live during Summerfest. I love the fact that you know we get to broadcast you know live from, from State Fair. It, it's it's something that I have enjoyed every year for the last 22 years that I've been able to work for WTMJ. I think we've been there every year but but one year. So I, the, the idea that you might not have a State Fair, and I mean I'm not making any predictions and I have no inside information. This was just one of the texters, but but it is. You start to look at the, these rolling cancellations and these rolling delays. Like I say, now we're, we're already seeing stuff that was scheduled for mid-July being canceled. And, I mean, State Fair has got to face a lot of the same issues. It's It's lining up the vendors and it's lining up the entertainment. I'm hoping, I really am, that by... That, that by June and July we're ready to start reopening the country and musical acts are touring again and things like that. How comfortable people are going to be being in large groups and you know crammed into the agriculture barns and stuff. That that's that that I can't predict. But I'm I'm hoping that you know we're we're at least closer to back to normal. Or otherwise that the concern is going to be: Are we going to lose the summer? I mean, across this country, are we going to end up losing the summer? I sure as heck. Hope not, but you're already seeing the cancellations into July. And to the point about the Democratic National Convention, just don't see how, don't see how it can occur, or at least if it occurs, I don't see how it can come close to occurring on the scope that it was planned for. And that's a darn shame.